You are listening to Engaging and Exciting Conversation on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Get ready. Now. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Radiant Culture Podcast. My name is T-Mac. And I'm Cookie Monster. And it is cold. Well, actually, we should be saying the opposite. It's actually not that cold. It's cold. It's winter. For us, it's cold. But like, if you tell someone else it's like 28 degrees and you're saying it's cold, then what are you talking about? 2024? I don't know. No, it's not 28. It's not 28. some people, this is winter. I mean, summer. Sorry. Some people, this is summer. For us, this is winter. Twenty anything below twenty five is cold. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> we are joined by Hannah Marx in the studio today. Hey, thank you Have for you having me. Is it cold? Um, definitely not. This is not cold. Uh, but if you speak to anybody from the low felt, they will say that this is this is not warm. So by logic, therefore, it's cold. But I don't. I don't know. There's something about some winters that. It feels warmer when you're actually in the sun. The moment you hit shade or Zim house, it's it's ice blocks. I think it's also because you don't have a lot of heating indoors. Yeah. You're on your own once you're inside. Yeah, we don't need none of that. Heating heating for what? And insulation. We have literally... Our houses are built to let heat out. Yeah. So, Wow. But the studio is warm, so that's a plus. So, Hannah... um, Tell us a little bit about you, just to give our listeners some context. So I am 29 and a half, I guess. No, I'm a bit older than that. Um, And a half. uh, Well, no, I was trying to figure out. I'm 29 and like three quarters now. Anyway, that's besides... Who says the age like that? I don't know. Someone who wants to know her birthday. No, no, no. No, I'm not one of those people who's like, here's my birthday and sends out a list of people... um, uh, to me, that's a little bit uh, presumptuous. Anyway, um, and and a half and three quarters. Yep, okay. whatever. Uh, to um, I'm a lecturer. Uh, I lecture in theology, and uh, for those who don't know, theology is the study of God, the study of His Word. It's basically what these podcasts are about: is figuring out God and how He relates to all of life. So that's what I do. I'm also studying for a master's online. Um. Yeah, nice. and also at the moment teaching online, which is fun and games. <laughs> awesome. So you're teaching theology as well. I am teaching theology, and I also teach um, Christian teachers. So giving Christian educators the undergirdings of their faith and from a biblical worldview. So that's a phrase you sh- you guys are all familiar with. Yeah. Biblical worldview. Yes. Anyway. Awesome. This is pretty cool. Okay, so. Just to give every everybody some background, uh, today's topic is, um, I suppose, a very hot topic because it's the probably the most topical issue right now. Uh, we're going to be talking about Christianity and race. Um, and of course, uh, the whole race issue is kind of hot at the moment following the death of George Floyd in the U.S. and then that sparked a whole lot of protests and um, Black Lives Matter has become the hashtag right now. But you know the race issues have been the, the, it's been a big issue for many 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 years, um, especially in the U.S. and I guess across across the world. You know, race is a very sensitive topic. It's a very um, emotional topic. Mm. Uh, controversial topic in many ways. Mm-hmm. So, but we want to want to talk about that today, and of course, we're going to be talking about that mainly from a biblical viewpoint. Um, and so, we have Hannah as our guest today, as somebody who has a theological background, and uh, she's a good friend of ours as well. But of course, Hannah is white, so that's going to add some spice. <laughs> Can I just throw in something? Yeah. There we but, go. Like only jishoma jishoma, like. The still, smallest amount. Are you still when I taking say, classes though? Like No. Uh, I mean, I have. I did do classes. My brother and I both did classes. That is which, so cool. Um, I, I highly recommend uh, that white people, especially if you, if you live in Zimbabwe, it, it is no excuse for white people's shana to be limited to Tatenda and Shamwari. Preach! It's, it's, <laughs> that, I mean, 
I when I throw in that I'm still learning, people then just bombard me, and I was like, "Did you not hear what I said?" <laughs> but like, um, uh, yeah. So Tim and I did some classes. That's my brother. We did some classes learning about Shana, which I think is really important because if English is the language of the ma- majority of the world, and and certainly like the business world, the professional world. Mm-hmm. Great, we must learn it. But um, as Christians in Zimbabwe, I think that white people need to learn Shana. There's so much. A language is not just a language. It's a culture. It's a way of life that you're learning about. That said, I don't think it's taught massively well in schools. And so, you know, but that isn't to blame um, for... Did you have to take it in school? Or you were allowed to... So, um, we had to take it. Ours was the year group that had to take it up to we had to have classes to o level um they just it was phased out at the end of form two then the government made the decision and then so we had to have continue having l2 classes but it wasn't taught in such a way that it helps you want to learn it Mm -hmm. and actually what white people need to learn is conversational shana you need to you know understand the uh nouns and tenses but then Picking up lingo so that you can throw it in because what I've found and I suppose this leads into the race, uh, the issue of race is that when you're so willing to learn someone's language, you're showing that you're not expecting everybody to come and approach you how you see things, how life is for you. Um, So I think white people could be doing a lot better when it comes to learning other languages. Well, that's actually very important and very interesting what you're saying because, um, you know, what, one of the issues that's always kind of bothered me, I'll be honest, is that, you know, it's the whole thing that um, it, it almost feels as if, like, we, we had to learn English, right? Yeah. Like when we're speaking in English right now. We've all kind of had to, to, to master English. Uh, some of us are still trying to master it, <laughs> like myself. Uh, but we generally converse in English, right? It's the, it's the language of business. In church, we, we, we have our sermons in English. Um, <clears throat> but when you then look at the flip side, sometimes it's like uh, white people in particular, and I'm going to be using this term a lot during our conversation. White people, it just feels like they haven't made the effort yeah. to, to learn. And I, I know there are many reasons why maybe they never really have to use it or whatever the case is. But the bottom line is it's, it it almost betrays as uh, as lack of interest yeah, in in sure. learning. Then you kind of think, okay, do you even care about the environment that you're staying in? Does it matter to you, yeah. or do you feel like whatever you know, everyone has to come up, up. to my level yeah. anyway? So yeah. So but then of course this is where this conversation is going. <laughs> so let's go there. As a Christian, <coughs> uh, with everything that's going on right now. Right. There's the whole Black Lives Matter um, hashtag trending everywhere and the protests, like I said earlier. Is, is this something that Christians should be a part of? In, in your view? In my view, absolutely. Right. Um, obviously, I appreciate the fact that in Zim, by the way, that we can just say white, black. Um, I, I, I know that for some people those terms are very loaded and they don't want to say white, they want to say European or African-American or whatever. Um, but when, when we're in Zimbabwe, so, you know, for us it's always been like white and black. And um, I think that in general, white people, and this is what I've seen a lot in this, it's particularly in social media, that white people need to learn a lot about things that are not a part of their story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I look at America and especially because Black Lives Matter is primarily happening in that context, right. I think that um, as Christians, we need to stand back and say, what what is the movement talk about? What is it championing? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because it, it it hasn't just cropped up now. It has been around, I don't know, mid 2010s onwards, maybe yeah. even before that. Yeah. But um Black Lives Matter is standing up for the value of life in the context where, um, and I I realize this is controversial and I've I've tried to listen to as many sides of the story without (coughs) totally confusing myself. Um, And let's just put a disclaimer on that. that, uh, And I said this to Cookie Monster before we, we began. I was like, I'm not a professional 
and and I feel like there's so much more that I have to learn. But I think the importance is starting a discussion. Yeah. Right. Um. So, but I do think white people, and I think in general as Christians, we need to be a part of the Black Lives Matter movement, not in terms of um, a, an ideology or, uh, but in in what it's standing for is standing up for justice and right. recognizing that in America. Um, black lives have been cheap uh, for a long time. Uh, if you don't believe in systematic racism, you, you need to do your own research <laughs> because it, it it is something that exists. And so, um, personally, if I were in the states, I'd definitely be marching with everyone else, and I would encourage other Christians to do the same thing. Okay, so basically, you're you're saying that this has nothing to do with. Uh, whether some someone is white or black, it's an issue of the value of life. Absolutely. Right. Um, <clears throat> the, you know, the, the subject of racism, if you look across, like if you look at African history, for example, like there's just been so much that's happened. I mean, I, I go to South Africa quite a lot and I've got friends, I've got friends over there and we constantly have these conversations, mm. right? I've got friends who are working in corporate um, in South Africa, who face all kinds of, you know, racism. And these are guys that are professionals, right? But there's this racial profiling that happens, um, and it's almost like an ingrained thing that's been mm-hmm. there, and it's just there. Um, when I was in the... I've been to the States a couple of times as well, and the last time I was there, I was there for a few months, and I remember I actually spent... I, I intentionally went to to, uh, to an African-American church, mm-hmm. It's just because I love the music. I love the whole vibe there. Me too. But I also got to, I also got to interact with uh, people in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, just because I, I like make I just I make friends everywhere I go, and so you know, just getting to talk to guys, finding out where they're at, and you just sense the 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 deep hurt that's there. You know, just because they're growing up in this system that it just makes you feel like you're not welcome. Mm-hmm. You know, for so many reasons, right? And so. Um, this has happened across the board. This happened in Africa. Our own nation has gone through this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess what I want to understand, and I know th- this may sound like a bit of a funny question, but it's actually a genuine question. Like, is there something wrong with black people? And I'm asking this as a black person, but I'm also asking it as a human being. Is there something fundamentally wrong with... Um, with 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 black people, because when you look at all the things that have happened, when you're looking at all the issues that are there right now, so I'm just posing that question, and maybe that's something we can we can discuss here. I, I know you guys are gonna say no, but but, <laughs> but I really want to know because I don't know. Do you mind? I don't want to be stoned. <laughs> I don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong with black people. Yeah. I think we, in a lot of instances, are born oh. into situations that are already disadvantaged. Mm. But that being said, when you look at the state of Africa as a whole, and you see that a lot of the problems that are faced by the different nations, it's like copy-paste from one nation to the other. Okay, mm-hmm. there's corruption and greed there. Mm. Oh yeah, corruption and greed there too. Whoa, there's also like it's like, mm. are you guys all reading from the same playbook or what? Like old presidents. <laughs> and and it's just like, yeah, like well, that part. I'm just like, <laughs> we need to fix that. I don't know why we choose to hate democracy, but uh, yeah, that part I, I often wonder about my people. <laughs> why can we not get this whole thing right? But apart from that, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with us. I mean, shout. If it wasn't for us, the Olympics would be so boring. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. I think in general, sports, and like music. Africans have led the way and, and, and continue to teach white people many lessons about their own rhythm disorders <laughs> in, mm-hmm, when it comes mm-hmm. to that. But um, I, I can't say that... I, I think the question is flawed. There's not something wrong with black people. Right. I, I think there's something wrong with people that we treat each other in these ways and it's become part of history and um you know when you look at history at the moment i think it's interesting seeing how uh both the 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 original colonizing nations and then 
the colonized nations are trying to wrestle with these really uncomfortable, ugly parts of history. Mm -hmm. um, some people may have seen that in the news that the statue of Cecil John Rhodes in Oxford outside um, Oriel College it's a huge statue. It's 10 foot. Wow. Uh, people are lobbying and petitioning to have that taken down um, because of who Cecil John Rhodes was, what he stood for. Yeah. Um, so there are ugly parts of history. And uh, let's say, let's acknowledge that. Um, and I've heard both sides. I've heard black people saying, you know what? If you're white, you don't get to talk about racism. It's not a thing for you guys. Yeah. But if if we're really honest, any treatment of someone based on race counts as racism. And there was racism before uh, white people got here. Yeah. There was um, racism that came through the Arabic um, yeah. traders as yeah. they came around um, the, the horn, no, horn, down, South Africa. Yeah. And basically, the racism has been around from... As early as I guess the Bible, um, and and I think that's important to say is that um, this is not just a, a continental problem for us as Africans and Zimbabweans. It's a problem for us as human beings. It it has a cultural root, but it also has a spiritual root. Right. And I'm not just saying that because I lecture in theology. I genuinely there is something spiritual about it. Why would anyone try and put themselves up? above treat people beneath them because of something they had no control over yeah that could it be a case of um how people are socialized and how people are raised uh one of the uh, constant uh, sort of things that i've heard over the last couple of days uh, with this whole george floyd case is um the issue of white privilege mm -hmm. right so that's that's been on the table quite a quite a bit and um, I've heard conversations, debates about how white people are raised, mm -hmm. uh, predominantly in the States, because, you know, most of That's the stuff the I've context, been watching is, yeah. is um, from the States. But that the, the system is sort of, rigged. yeah, it's, it's mm. already rigged, mm. right? And there's what white people are raised in a certain way, raised to believe that they're superior and here I'm talking about the average white person. Of course, there's always going to be exceptions. Mm. So, and I, I also want to get this understanding from you as, as someone who is white and probably has uh, white friends and family and stuff, right? Of course, you have white family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the, the whole issue of white privilege, is it an issue of how people actually socialized and raised? Are, are people raised to believe that they are better in some sense or... Is it an issue of that's already how the world is? Uh, people are already predisposed in a certain way towards black people and towards white people. And then so it just kind of naturally plays out like that. So what you're essentially talking about is is race and racism an issue of nature? Um, or nurture. Or nurture. Yeah. And the answer is yes. There you go. Thank you. Yes. No. Well okay. Done. It's both. It it I I we've we've been having this discussion a lot at home. Um, you and I have been having these discussions, mm -hmm. Cookie Monster, about race, and I've tried to intentionally engage my black friends about what's going on in the states. Yeah. And I must say, I, I respect that about you, Hannah. The fact that you, you're, you're yeah, you're so proactive, and you know, Hannah will just shoot me a voice note because um, she wants to know something about this whole thing. She wants my perspective. As as a black person, I yeah, just kudos to you for that. I respect that. Anyway, Thank sorry, you. carry on. I, I, but honestly, could I? I think because the race discussion doesn't happen frequently enough, in yeah. my opinion, amongst mixed groups, so black, white, coloured. Um, I don't think it happens enough, and so yeah. that's partly why these we're like how do we talk about them? Yeah. Um, which is, I'm glad that you said right at the beginning, these are emotionally loaded issues because for some people, racism has not ever been something they were aware of until they encountered it, maybe at school or a, a teacher or whatever it is, you know, going out into the big, bad, wide world. Um, and I think it's important that as Zimbabweans, we're watching America going, yo, okay. Yeah. Um, they've got, we've got issues. 
so have they. Mm-hmm. Um, and so nobody's perspective on racism is going to be ac- absolutely the same because it is determined by experience. What I will say is that I'll speak for myself. I think upbringing plays a huge part in it mm-hmm. and how parents engage other um, engage their children about issues of race. And I think generally if people are brought up having mainly white friends, the culture is the same. But let me just say this because just in the same way that I wouldn't look at um, like the Shona or the Ndebele communities in Zimbabwe and say, they all, well, they're all the same. Mm-hmm. There are like <clears throat> subcultures and groupings. And yeah. so when, when I have been overseas and I've had somebody say to me, oh yeah, I met another white Zimbabwean. I was like, oh gee, <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean like, because there is, uh, there are strong elements of certain groups within white culture in Zimbabwe that I find really difficult where racism is still very much um, we would call it, it well I don't know I call it our family calls it like the roadie mentality the right. Rhodesian like Rhodesians never die type thing um, so if I can just interrupt you there uh, it's funny that you say that because sometimes the general belief right um, especially among mm-hmm. black people is that white people are white people <laughs> right so white people are just put uh, they're just placed in this one um, grouping or this one class, yeah. right? You're all white people. So now that you mentioned that there's actually subcultures within yeah. your culture as well, that's that's an interesting um, perspective there. And I, th- I think it's important as well that even within white Christian culture in Zimbabwe, there are different groups. Um, yeah. You know, um, if any of the listeners have had uh, farming friends, white farming friends, often... Like white kids who have grown up on the farms, um, white kids who've grown up on farms. They, <laughs> um, they are incredibly. I mean, like, they, could I, I'm not going to lie. They speak better Shona than you. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I mean, I didn't even know there was such a thing as town Shona and rural Shona until we had that conversation one right. day. Yeah. But I, I, I do think so. I think. Upbringing has a lot to do with it because how parents see something, a child will automatically take on their parents' mindsets. They, children are really good observers, poor interpreters. Mm-hmm. So they don't, they may not stop to ask, why is daddy treating someone this way? They just right. see it happen. But the systems and the structures that exist also play a huge role. Um, so in our household, I don't know that race was ever something that I saw per se. And I'm saying saw in a kind of like, I saw it, but I'm not going to say colorblind because I think that has some negative connotations to it. I don't think anyone's colorblind. Uh, I think you'd have to be, I was going to say blind to be colorblind, but um, I mean like (laughs) dumb to be. I I hear you, I hear you. Because actually the the reality is that God made more than one race. Yeah. Um, Something, and let me just throw this out there at this point. When I when I teach theology, I I want to point out that the the stereotypical art of Jesus is was firstly it's a product of its time. It was created in Renaissance Europe, mm-hmm. but Jesus was not white. He yeah. did not have blonde hair or blue eyes. Yeah, he was brown. You know, um, he he may not have been as dark as an African, but he was Middle East and he was a Jew. He yeah. had brown hair, probably, probably. I'm I'm not making any definitive statements, but even with, um, I've heard um, some scholars say that Adam and Eve were probably black people. Yeah. Because there's no way that you you have constant breeding of white people and you get black people somehow. The the distribution of color doesn't work like that but i I think it's important that we understand that race yes is a part of us but it's not a part that we can choose but that said we can choose how we see it right if that makes sense makes a lot of sense can i ask you hannah in in terms of having grown up in zim when did you realize you were white and okay let me put the question in context i only realized that i was different from my white peers when i got to high school all through primary and all of that, I, I it didn't matter. Like, honestly, I had a moment when I wanted to be white, but that was simply because I wanted the hair. <laughs> Apart from that, <laughs> like, it didn't matter. Like, my friends are black. What, like, your color wasn't the first thing I, I, I used to, to say whether you're going to yeah. be my friend or not. Only when I got to high school, it's like there was this huge divide. And it's like, oh, no, no, no the white people play together. The black people played together. And I was like, oh. Oh, that's what we're doing cool yeah so that's when it really hit me like oh, okay no 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 i'm a black girl so 
can't have these white friends. Not can't have, but like you had fewer close relationships. Yeah. 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 So um, it's probably I went to not an all white school. Um, right. Disclaimer: There were we had a lot of. I was at Twin Rivers in the early years. Like Twin Rivers now is this beautiful school on the Avondale Flay, and when we were there, it was a lot, just a lot of flay mud, which everybody knows stinks. Anyway, um, <laughs> so we had very uh, quite ethnically diverse classes, but. I don't know that I saw race. I don't think I saw it at junior school, but I I felt like I fitted in, and my friends were definitely more within um, black circles. I thought that the idea of having poloni uh, toasted sandwiches was much more appealing than a peanut butter sandwich. You guys like, didn't do poloni toasted. No. Oh man. I know. Wow. Think. No. Well, actually, we did trade. So you know, I often came away with the poloni sandwich, but. You know, and what's with the whole Bovril? Like, guys, can we just address this right now? Could I, are you putting Bovril and Marmite together? Like, uh, together? Are they different? Yes. They taste the, they taste they the same to me. They don't. Anyway, we're not going down there. Okay. Um, that's <laughs> that's that's. that's Marmite lovers. Sorry, Marmite lovers. <laughs> I'm black. <laughs> um, so I I always found that I fitted more, I gravitated more. I I love spending time with my black friends, and so. Um, I was the opposite. All my friends were white. Well, not all, but like my best. Solo, solo. My besties <laughs> were white until I got ice. So you're you're like a coconut. Yeah, but you see, this is where these things, I, I don't know, I'm like, are they helpful? Are they not helpful? Because sometimes people throw them at each other like a, like a, you're a sellout, you know, <laughs> because you're, you're, you're coconut or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, salad. Tantan is a salad. Okay. But. That's my own <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry, I mean, carry but, on. And, can I just say that this is where I think we as Zimbabweans can have these discussions with humor that are. I cannot see us having this discussion if we had all been raised somewhere in the States, in the same city. Right. And I think this is where the race in Zim is slightly different. Anyway, so junior school, many black friends, very happy uh, with that. And I just felt like I connected more with black girls. It wasn't even a thing that I actively, I actively yeah. sought out. I'm not sure that kids, well, I don't, I certainly wasn't thinking along those lines. Yeah, no. Went to high school. Um, had lots of was in a a, a very um like the the streams i was in a, a quite a heavily white stream um but again i i tried to fit in but i didn't feel like i fitted and um at some point in my high school i i earned the nickname muboy um <laughs> so wow. yeah no for, like. I, I from, saw, right. who, from the white girls. No. Okay. Do you think they knew I that? Know, <laughs> like, why? But uh, it was it was probably along one of these discussions one day about um, Maputi and how Maputi had a, we got in trouble for eating in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Maputi had a certain smell, mm -hmm. and you can tell if you walk into a place that has Super window Maputi. closed. We always used to get in trouble. Anyway, I always asked for Maputi, and like the girls would be like, Ah, oh, Hannah, come on now. You know, and so we it, we went down the coconut lychee root mm -hmm. analogy, and then they were like, "No, no, no, you are a boy." And at the time, <laughs> I had a quarter of an orange stuffed in my mouth um, because we were having this discussion. Then I got caught by um, one of the nuns. But um, we just—I've always found that I—I I love the Shona culture, and mm -hmm. I think it's yeah. I don't know. I for me, I don't know that I noticed race until I actually went to England, mm -hmm. and. I felt so alien from other white people and from their culture. And I saw white yobs. Um, What's a yob? Uh, drunk. Just like white guys, probably my age, a little bit older, just loud, disorderly behavior, uh, drunk on, and right. not on the streets as like living off the streets, but just party goers, clubbers. And I was just like, it freaked me out, um, which sounds odd to say, but yeah. Did people treat like approach you differently once they realized you're not <laughs> from there, that you were an African white person? You know what the problem was? The problem was the skin color because right. everything about skin color said that I fitted with yeah. them. And then my, I don't perceive that I have an accent, but I suppose that's the whole thing about accents. None of us thinks we have an accent. Mm -hmm. I don't. Um, 
No, you don't. Yeah. But you don't because you, this is what we're used to. Anyway, um, and they would hear me talk and they would go, where are you from? Yeah. And it, it, it was one of those discussions, yeah. but it was probably more confusing. It's confu- not that different. Come on. <coughs> well, yeah. Okay, do you know what? The okay, give- I, this the levels to the British accent, though. Yeah, true. I mean, like... <laughs> but an- Black Lives Matter. Anyway, I'm not going to Anyway. Sorry. <laughs> you just had to do that. Governor? <laughs> Sorry, Anna, carry on. <laughs> anyway, um, and the telltale was certain words like turn off the light. We say off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They say turn off the light. Oh, okay. So anyway, accent was a giveaway, but um, I I just felt like, quite apart from the fact that I didn't watch it, we didn't you, you didn't watch the same cartoons growing up. I didn't know what any of like the the chocolates or the sweets that they were talking about, and there was it it's part of a culture that you yeah. grow up in yeah. um but we had all sorts of j- just so that people know that white people ask other white people these questions mm. i mean we had questions like people said to me like how come you're here i was like okay. because i'm at school here you know my, my my dad is working we were in the uk i did my a levels so i did up to o level in zim and then a level in the uk yeah. and um they were like but but does your dad pay tax so it was like the implication was are you an illegal immigrant like how and so yeah well i i don't know they we used to have this joker like anytime a helicopter went over they're like hannah hide um (laughs) but this is where i'm like so anyway yeah white people on this um okay i've forgotten what we were talking about (laughs) no it's okay i actually want us to Pivot. To 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 move away. Well, I guess to change gears a bit, um, just because of time. Mm. Um, and I want I want us to bring this to the church now. Uh, and w- one of the questions that I <clears throat> that I have is, you know, obviously the whole issue of race within mm. the church. Now, granted, not every church is mixed mm. uh, racially, and um, but you know, we we go to a church that is quite diverse in terms mm. of race. But j- just the general. Okay, diverse-ish. Okay. There's a couple of marshmallows. Yeah, the packet is pink marshmallows. Then there's like three white That's diversity. Come on. All right, fine. Okay. Okay, now I've lost my train of thought. T-Mac, stop it. Anyway, okay, so (laughs) the whole issue of race within the church, right? Uh, If you look at... I, I was actually just listening to a... It was a conversation between uh, T.D. Jakes and a bunch of other people. I think, what's her name? Christine Kane yeah. and... Uh, Collins, Judah Smith. Judah Smith, yeah, that one. Yeah. Amazing conversation, right? But there's a lot that's unearthed in that conversation just about the whole issue of race mm-hmm. within, I guess, mainly within the, the, the church in the U.S., mm-hmm. right? That there's lots, there's lots of issues there mm-hmm. that remain... Um, unaddressed, but I actually want to bring it closer to home, mm-hmm. right? What do you believe the church's role should be um, in this whole issue of race? Should the church play an active role in, in addressing it? As in actively uh, actually addressing the issue to the congregants, where a pastor gets up and says, hey, listen, guys, we're running a series on uh, Racism. Mm-hmm. What is racism? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the effects of racism? Are you racist? Maybe you're racist and you don't know. But I'm saying <laughs> everyone <laughs> racist in the church put their hands up. But, but I'm talking about more of like a, a proactive stance where the church actually addresses it. Because I just feel like we we eggshell around these issues, right? Um, yeah. As Christians, so I, I guess that that that's the question that I have, and I want to hear what you think about that. I think that Christians should always be more proactive. And I think too often we're reactive, um, which is why I've enjoyed listening to a lot of the discussions that have been through leading Christian ministers in other parts of the world. You, you alluded to T.D. Jakes and he did a panel yeah. um, with it was just him and a bunch of different white people, but different ministers uh, from different parts of the globe. Yeah. And then there have been some really important discussions that I, I definitely would recommend people listen to. T.D. Jakes being interviewed by Carl Lentz, who is the Hillsong East Coast that was really good. pastor. 
incredible. Um, Dr. Really Anita great. Phillips had a conversation with Christine Kane, and then Carl Lance did an interview with Dr. Anita Phillips as well. All on these subjects where, and this is where I think like we're we're kind of doing this is our claim to fame. We're doing there we go. We're doing it. We're trying to do that as well here. So, so I guess I'm TD Jakes in this <laughs> case. Um, yeah, your goatee and everything. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, Please I, don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't go there, Kura. Mm-hmm. I'll come back from that. Um, I'm quiet. But I think I think that churches should be more active in in leading the conversation because if you don't lead the conversation the conversation leads you mm-hmm. and I, I think christians should be some of the biggest proponents speaking out for racial equality yeah. speaking out and and let me just say here on behalf of some dumb white people because dumb people exist regardless of your skin color but f- to the people <clears throat> who have been hurt by white people posting all lives matter in response to the black lives matter yeah. i'm sorry I, I will just say that and that's not I'm not saying this from a white guilt or um, uh, I'm fully aware that we have gotten it wrong you know but I'm we also know that we're not responsible for everything that was done by yeah. people of our skin color everywhere I mean we'd have a hell of a time with that but I do think we need to be having conversations but then and and I'll say this as a white person I think white people do need to just shut up a minute because right. i've seen a hashtag um particularly a lot of white christian ministers in the states with the hashtag muted but listening and learning because i think we need to learn we need to understand i when people uh, i've been having this conversation with my siblings but when people respond like all lives matter i'm like i i want to hit my head or hit them or you know like i'm like you what are, guys you have not understood point. the yeah. point and i i think this is it we haven't understood the point we haven't understood stop long enough to say what is causing someone to say that statistics on one side if your experience you have personally experienced um what so many black um americans describe of sitting in their car having been pulled over by a white cop mm-hmm. and shaking because they they're like thinking don't get killed don't get killed don't yeah. get killed that experience alone is enough yeah regardless of statistics of how many how many crimes are committed by black people versus white people proportions of populations etc and i i think we need to stop ask questions yeah say can you just talk talk me through it and i think there's so much value in that because we don't realize what kind of baggage people are carrying around when it comes to race yeah and and this is what i respect about you hannah the fact that you know you you've reached out to me multiple times you know just for us to have these conversations Mm. uh because and i think the the learning needs to happen from both yeah from both sides of the fence because there's many there's many things that we as black people don't <clears throat> don't understand about your culture, mm. and it's very easy for a black person to like Greek yogurt. Yeah, Greek yogurt. Like, what's up with that Greek yogurt stuff? This is a prior conversation that we had. <laughs> yeah, like I call it white yogurt. Because like, like, who has yogurt with no sugar, bro? Like, okay, listen, <laughs> it's okay. Okay, so you can have vanilla yogurt, but you won't have vanilla yogurt. But vanilla peach, yogurt has mango flavorings. And yogurt colorings. should be yogurt, sweet yogurt. That's the yogurt we anyway, grew up eating. Come back from the, the moment discussion. it's not. That's like yeah. So she has white yogurt because she's white. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. So. <clears throat> okay. So no, it's okay. Listen, I'm I'm learning these you things. Have <laughs> and, and we have lactose. <laughs> You're terrible. Um, so <laughs> Um, <clears throat> the learning needs to happen from from both Absolutely. from both ends because uh, one thing for certain is, is that not all white people are racists, right? Mm-hmm. And there are lots of pleasant white people out there who actually uh, who want to interact with black people, who value black people. So we've got to be careful as black people um, that we don't assume that every every white person that you meet is racist and that they. They, they they they're demeaning you in some way, or that they view you as uh, as being less than them in any way. Mm. Uh, so that's something we need to work on as well. <clears throat> may I may I just jump on that and yes, say, um, one of the things I did a lot of uh, 
Bible outreaches into the high schools in a couple of different girls' high schools across them. And um, in a lot of these places, uh, I didn't often form strong friendships. It was literally coming in for an assembly. But there were a couple of friendships that got built from that. But one of the things I realized is that for many different um, Zimbabweans growing up, they may not have a lot of exposure to white people right. and to white culture. And so um, some of the friendships that I've built, there's a lot of like, hey, oh, why, why? And, and, and like, why do you do that? And, and, and the, the tentative, can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. Do, do white people eat sadza? I mean, like, it, you know, and we have to be willing to ask those questions and not laugh at them and yeah. not. Um, and so I, for some of the girls that I have come into friendships with and stuff, they've come and said, like, you are the first white person I've actually met. And so the, Poor show on the yeah. on the on the white people, but it's I think some of it, and this is where you know we swing to the other extreme is that the systems created by poverty exist the world over. Right. Um, and I just want to say something on a on a theological level is that sin is not we have misunderstood uh, misunderstood sin as only being a personal thing. Sin is also systemic. It is in within power structures and yeah. systems. Um, and so you see Jesus coming, and Jesus is absolutely passionate about people. I think it's um, the Gospel of Mark, it's in, in the Gospels, it just talks about he was driven by compassion. Mm-hmm. And I think that the race issue, um, particularly when I... Um, l- one of the reasons I reach out is because I want to know the other side of the story because yeah. I recognize it's there. Yeah. But compassion is distinctly lacking when people say, you know, the the statistics are blah, 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 blah. And we've lost the human element. And I think that's what it's really important for us as Christians to acknowledge is well, where is your pain in this? Yeah. Because there is so much pain yeah. in this area. Um, so I think as Christians, we need to, and that's part of the power in, in shutting up is that you can hear someone else's pain. Mm-hmm. You don't have to fix it, but by stopping to listen, you've actually, you've vindicated um, I like that. them almost. You, you've not just legitim- not legitimized it, but you have, you've become part of the cure because yeah. part of the problem is that we don't hear each other. Yeah. And then another question that I, that I have um, the whole issue of the whitewashing of the Bible, if I can call it that. Mm-hmm. Or um, basically, Jesus has kind of... <laughs> I almost feel like Jesus was hijacked in a sense, right? <laughs> the Jesus that we were introduced to when we were growing up mm. was that image that you mentioned earlier blonde hair, blue eyes. Mm-hmm. And so naturally we grow up thinking that that's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I guess maybe subconsciously we then naturally sort of start associating Jesus with whiteness. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I feel like that's a problem that that actually needs to be. And this is where the activist in me kind of <laughs> wants to stand up where I'm like, but why has that been allowed to happen? At my mom's house, she's got this portrait. My mom is Anglican of Jesus. And it's like this, the dude looks white, right? You know, like... But he also looks creepy. Can I just say that like, okay, those here, traditional I'm, I'm portraits gonna, of Jesus... I'm, I'm going to say this. Uh, at, okay, I don't mean to offend anyone as I say, but the dude actually like looks gay. Like he's got that, he's got this, he's just got this look, right? Well manicured is the word you're looking for. Okay, so yeah, well, there we go. <laughs> well manicured. Listen, some of these terms, I'm, <laughs> I'm still learning, right? So I'm just like, no, but seriously, there's something wrong with this, right? Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to link this to um, the bigger question, mm. which is that to what extent has that affected Christianity, right? And the whole issue of race within Christianity, because I feel like we just take it for granted, right? That ah, uh, we've got this God. God is like if you if you if you ever depict Jesus as a black guy, it's just like ah. Uh, it's like making fun of the Christmas black. You see, it just looks weird. 
But why does it look weird? And how has that then played into our um, in, into our whole perception of race and how uh, we process everything and how we view Jesus, then how we view white people, and then how white people view black people? So there's a lot of history in what you're talking about, and a lot of it has to do with where the center of history was during the time when art, I guess, came into its own. And the reality is is that majority of what we have is the, the traditional picture of Jesus, which um, anybody who uh, went to a Catholic school or an Anglican school, I went to a Catholic high school, and there were some impressive, creepy pictures of Jesus, um, as well as the crucifix up on the walls. But... Um, the art in question that you're talking about could have came through the Renaissance period and it was developed in mainly white countries, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, and as this is the uh, thing where I think we need to learn history as well when it comes to race. And uh, Agreed. I think in, in addition to learning these different, you know, going and looking up the T.D. Jakes discussions and the all of these different perspectives is we also need to do some history digging as well because, um, you know, no Zimbabwean is going to be an absolute expert on black African-American experience, yeah. um, the civil rights era. So we need to learn about that. But Christianity, because it was um, up until 1517, there was only one church. 1517 is when the Pro Protestant church starts mm -hmm. and basically they become a multiplicity of movements. But as Christianity was taken, it was taken mostly at that point by Europeans, but let's also say Mediterraneans. Mm -hmm. I, I want to say Mediterraneans more than Europeans um, because European has too many connotations. And by the way, Mediterraneans covers a very broad range of, to more, way more tanned, um, if, if I can put it like that. Okay. So as Christianity was spread, so the pictures went with it um, and, and came with it. And I think it, there has been a history of Christianity. And if you look at the globe, Christianity enjoys highs and lows in different parts of the world at different times. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it has to do with how Christianity spread, what was taken with. And so as the colonization, the scramble for Africa happens, uh, there were the three C's. It was civilization, Christianity, and commerce mm -hmm. were seen to be the need to take, um, to be taken to the savage. Disclaimer, I am not saying I believe that. That is what yeah. the people of the day believed um, <coughs> as the things that would be greatly civilizing. So I think it does do a lot of damage to... Um, Christianity, because Christianity in, in a lot of parts of the world has been seen as the white man's religion. Yeah. And I think that's fundamentally, absolutely go to the abs the beginning of the roots of the Christian, mm -hmm. the Christian movement. It would not have been white. It almost certainly would have been towards the darker shades of brown and black. Yeah. Um, just to shout out the the there is an app that is um, the chosen which I don't, know if, I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's basically a multi-series about the life of Christ. And it really digs a lot deeper than just a, a, like the Passion of the Christ or Son of God. The movies do. Um, but one of the things that really shows is that the Middle East at that time was very, very diverse skin colors. And mm -hmm. it, for those who've traveled to the Middle East, you know there is not one skin color. Um, yeah. It's it's darker shades of brown, basically. So. Yeah. You know, the roots of Christianity. And by the way, just as a sub thing, Christianity in its in the first century, first and second century, had strong um, roots within North Africa. Yeah. St. Augustine, for those who, yes. who may have heard about him, he was a Libyan. He was Augustine of Hippo. Hippo was in Libya. And so I when I've talked classes through church history, it's been really interesting for me as a white Zimbabwean seeing at, um, my students who are mainly black, but coming to these realizations that Christianity hasn't always been a white man's religion, yeah. that the, the black theologians existed before, like, I don't know, 1960s, but yeah. the gospel should be the great equalizer. And I think that's why where scriptures really come into it. And yeah. um, the, the incredible thing about the gospel and Galatians 3, uh, 28, 
the statement there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Right. Um, and to to borrow Martin Luther King Jr., there is neither Protestant nor Catholic. That is just. Do we realize what we're saying? Do you That's realize deep. how deep racism was a part of the culture, first century culture? Yeah. Racism was a thing because primarily Jews had understood themselves to be superior. Mm -hmm. And you really see this in John 4 when Jesus meets the woman at the well. Yeah. She's the Samaritan yeah. woman. And she says to him, don't you know that Jews and Samaritans don't oh, have anything? Yeah. And it was a, an issue of race. And, and he treated this woman who was not his race. And by the way, then that also connects with the Good Samaritan. Mm. The story of the Good Samaritan. Essentially, the modern day equivalent, particularly in America, would be the Good Samaritan was a black man who came to help you when all the white people looked away yeah. at your pain. Yeah. So, you know, the, the issues of race are within the gospel, but they generally don't come in. You know, there's not like... Enter Simon of Cyrene. He was black. You know, there, there's no, that doesn't come in. Yeah. But race was there at the time of the Gospels. Even the whole story of the Ethiopian eunuch yep. when he gets baptized by Philip. Like when you say he, they, Simon of Cyrene was chosen because he was the one that looked the most like Jesus. Like in terms of yeah, I, if I heard, you saw I heard him walking well. by, you wouldn't. You do a double take, but it'd be like less of a double take than if they'd chosen a lighter skin person mm. to carry the gospel. So. So I guess the challenge is that sometimes we get too caught up in this whole thing about ah, Jesus was black and, you know, would you follow a black Jesus? And I'm like, you know, I think we're starting to we're missing the point mm, when yeah. we do that, mm. because ultimately Jesus is God mm. and he made all races mm -hmm. and Jesus could have chosen to come as a Chinese own. Right. Mm. Right. <laughs> but. Jesus came. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Jesus, you know, Jesus could have chosen to come as anyone, but he—that—that's how God chose to reveal mm -hmm. Himself. So sometimes we can get caught up in um, the whole race thing uh, and forget the fundamental issue, right, which is that God has our value is given to us by God, mm -hmm. that we're made in in God's image. Mm -hmm. um, our time is like running running like crazy here but i guess one I, I guess the other thing that i want to i'd like you to do for us hannah is um just the whole issue of god's image because i think it's such a it's such an important um part of this whole race Absolutely. discussion Absolutely. right that we're all made in god's image and that we all reflect god's image mm. yeah I, I may have put you on the spot there but no. but you didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Genesis 1, 26 to 27 says, Let us make man. And there's God saying in the beginning at creation, Let us make man in our image. And there's a lot of discussions. Um, there's a lot of theology um, as to what the image of God is. But regardless of what it is, we were made to be like him. And I like to say that the chief way we were made to be like him, if we w wanted to say what does it mean to bear his image, it's relationship. Because do you know what I I love is that the Trinity itself speaks about unity and diversity without yeah. division. Because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not the same. They're different people, but they are God. They they share the same essence. Yeah. Um, I had a lecturer who explained it as the who-ness and the whatness. Mm -hmm. The whatness is God. They shared the same essence of God, but they were three persons. And yet they, they are perfectly uni unified, yeah. but diverse. They don't have to be the same. So the image-bearing thing is one of the strongest arguments. And when, when white people have said, you know, oh, all lives matter, um, or like this isn't as big an issue as people make it out to be, no, you've missed the point. It is an issue. Yeah. If one person said it, it would be an issue. But this isn't just one person. And we were all made in the image of God, right. all of us. And do you know what the incredible thing is? When the fall happens, when sin comes in, sin mars the image. It, it messes it up, but it doesn't destroy it. So all human beings have value. Their life has value from conception. Mm-hmm regardless of whether they're Christians or not. And yeah. Christians should be proponents of the value of life being respected. Yeah. And 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 
wanting to show that wanting to show that and let me just also say that in second corinthians 5 it talks about the ministry of reconciliation yeah. it's chiefly talking about us being reconciled with god but reconciliation if it's ever been needed on the earth the black lives matter movement shows how much we as the church have messed up because we should be leading the conversation and yeah. too often the history of the church christianity has been complicit yeah and and i think nowadays slavery doesn't exist in, in the sense that it did the civil rights movement has brought some change but not a lot but now the equivalent of us being complicit is us being silent um, mm. and so i think we need to say what does it mean to be reconcilers amongst white and black people in zimbabwe um, and I, I want to say that as Zimbabweans, it's really easy for us to care a lot about what's going on in the States. And we should care yeah. because injustice is injustice and the people of God are supposed to be a people of justice. Yeah. But do we care about the value of life in Zim? Do we know wow. about Levison Mube and um, the three MDC women? Let's put politics on one side for a moment. We have to stand up for life mattering here. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Wow, that's really good. That's really good, Hannah. Um, T Mac, I don't know if you want to say anything. Um. Yeah, no, that that was really good, Hannah. And I think, like you said, the church has to lead the conversation, or else we'll be reacting to things. And I don't know. It's just that's kind of the stance we've taken so far. And even here, I don't think churches are talking about it at all. Because, like, mm. like you said, it's. It's an issue that's not happening on our soil, mm. but there are other issues that have happened here and conversations that need to happen that haven't yeah. happened yet. Yeah. And like Cookie was saying, like why why can't we have a course that racially sensitizes people and answers those questions and gets someone the opportunity to speak to another white person and <laughs> ask those questions yeah. that they've never asked before, even for the black person and um, for the white person to speak to a black person mm. in that sort of context where you, there's no employer or employee relationship or mm. no teacher student like you're just you were all christians we're having a conversation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I, I really wish there was something like that yeah know, yeah sorry go so i i threw this um out at kura is that something that i've heard of happening in different um circles in zim um is a race group where People come together, and um, it, this is this was my sister was a part of one, but um, it was something that somebody who'd be, who'd studied in the states had done in that context, and it was everybody got a turn to tell their story of how race had affected them, how racism had affected them. Yeah, and it was, it, and this was the the thing because the stats we can argue about, but the personal experience nobody can argue with, and it was just, it was incredibly this is all kind of my sister's experience but she came back and she was like it is humbling it is painful it is um such an eye-opener to see how what have zimbabweans experienced when it comes to race um and and just from friends coming and saying let's talk about race let's what's your experience what's my experience what have been the worst parts of where you've seen racism either at you or from you know how does this look from your lens? And so yeah. I think... Fix it, like, for our next That's really generation. good. That's really good, yeah. And I, I think, it just let me say this, is that silence is not helpful. It has never been helpful. It never will be helpful. Yeah. And I think that it's so much easier to misunderstand when we don't have the conversations. Yeah. And to keep our prejudices of, like, yeah, white people, they just like the Greek yogurt. And, you know... <laughs> I, um, or, you know, yeah. that's a that's a humorous example. But the point is that it's much easier to stay here, like, and to refuse to engage. But when, if you really want to learn, you have to be prepared to be challenged and put yeah. your own preconceptions on one side, your own opinions, and just accept that you don't know everything about everyone's experience. Yeah. Wow, that's really good. And as Christians, especially, our starting point should always be the word of God mm -hmm. and if we really believe what the Bible says that God made all people in his image then we may have differences in culture we may have racial differences you know we may have 
have we may have all kinds of differences mm. but the one thing that like you rightly said that the gospel is the great unifier mm. that should be the one thing that brings us together <clears throat> and that gets us and I, i guess allowing god to challenge us yeah is an important thing you know god is going to challenge all of us in different ways as a black person you may have um ill feelings towards white people for whatever reason yeah. sometimes you just need to check those to say yeah. but what how does god view that yeah. right Um, as a white person, similarly, maybe you, you know, you've just stuck to your own cocoon and you, you, you mm. want to stick with your people. Or maybe you've had some bad experiences with, with black people and you just think, ah, these black people, whatever, right? Mm. Whatever the issue could be, the one place that we need to all come to is the cross, yeah. right? And realize that that's where our value is derived from mm. and allow God to challenge us, allow allow God to deal with issues in our own hearts. And it's not going to be easy. You know, it's it's going to be a process, but I think that's an important um, starting point. And that's really what we're trying to do yeah. with this podcast and with this conversation, you know, to, to get us to really start thinking about these things. A hundred percent. Unfortunately. Our time's up. Um, Hannah, any parting shots from you? I think at the end of the day, we cannot control anyone else. I don't like Facebook arguments. I don't know that they achieve anything. But it's very easy to share these things. It's much harder to do the work of examining our own hearts. And at th- on Judgment Day, we're going to be asked about our hearts, about our attitudes, about our mindsets and our behaviors. So check your heart and let the Holy Spirit deal with you. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that. T-Mac? <sighs> no, that's us. That's us. And... We are out. Peace out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.